0: My son, being raised in Minneapolis all of his life, has been to California for college. When he comes to the village, the first time we came here, after I moved south, we went into my travel trouble. It was about 7 o'clock at night. He said, what do we do now, Dad? I said, this is it. Several nights this week in recovery, I was in bed by six, seven o'clock. Um, he contacted me, I flew in Monday night, he contacted me Tuesday and he said, How are things in the village, Dad? I said, Quiet and still. <laughs> Having been in the home of my daughter and her husband and four boys, nine, eight, six, and three, for the last six weeks, has been a privilege, yet a trial at the same time. For those of you that have active grandchildren, you know what I mean. But I have to say, by the mercy and the grace of God, I'm so thankful. So thankful for the God that I serve. He's been a great God. He's been a gracious God. For those of you that don't know, very quickly, I'll tell you that my daughter was diagnosed with MS on December the 3rd. I drove to Minnesota to be with her because she had lost coordination on her left side. And so I was able to be with her in her first appointment after they diagnosed her, and the doctor told her. And for those of you that have had adult children, that you have seen them struggle with things, you know how difficult that is. And when I went to the doctor with her, the doctor tried to get her to walk a straight line, and she fell over. She could not even walk straight. It was very disturbing. But I know a God. I know a God. One of the most beautiful things about the whole experience was in that appointment that day, the doctor showed us her brain scan for the MRI. And he said, or she said, there are three legions on your brain, but only one of the legions is active and only one of the legions attacked your nervous system, which means she had a very moderate case of MS, which also means that they can bring her back to her normal self within a matter of time. For that, I'm very grateful. For that, I'm thankful. I want to thank this church tonight for all of your prayers for today. I want to thank you for all that you've done, for all that you've said, for being there long distance, for being there for hugs. When I've come back, there's been a lot going on in my life in the last four to five months, but he remains God. He has not changed. He's still the same. And I'm so thankful. Kemi's doing well. She is recovering. She still has a ways to go. But God has touched her. He has helped her. And by the grace of God, everything's going to be okay. Because I know a living and true God. God bless you. Amen.
1: What a wonderful God we serve. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Just ask me, just worship team for helping us to worship today throughout this service last Sunday night the Spirit of the Lord moved in and I think they actually played the whole time we were in service Uh, I don't ever want to take that for granted I, I commented to them I said well we enjoyed the lord <laughs> and you played the whole time and i i think we need to keep them in prayer amen and take every opportunity we get to tell them how much we appreciate them we will go back to our discipleship studies with the question today who is following you. We had a great start and introduction with the dedication today because we know that our children or all the other people in the world that become influences, we are their number one influencer. They will see people that they will class as heroes in life, They will find people in life that seem bigger than life because of what the media makes out of them and what the way the media portrays it that they've accomplished so much more in their field. But in reality, when it comes down to it, they follow parents. You remember that stuff that your mom did or your dad did that you despised? Did you find yourself at getting 30 and doing the same thing? I remember how my dad used to clear his throat. It was so repulsive to me as a teenager. Guess what? I've got to clear my throat sometimes. (laughs) And I'm much like him. I drove up here this week and they didn't really know too much about us. And they said, is that your brother outside? Well, Clifton was out treating the lawn for ants. I think that's what you were doing. And I uh, said, yeah, he was working in the yard. said, yeah. I so said, I could tell he looks like you. I don't know how close they got to you, but I followed him. He was my big brother. Well, he was my older brother after a while. I outgrew him. But I remember he'd say, I can still whip you. <laughs> and he could. He was faster and he had more years than I had. And uh, following. We follow examples. There's good examples, there's bad examples. I always, I always am amazed that Human nature, I guess, is what it is that you have a good Christian parent and a, the other part of the equation is that other parent doesn't live for God. And sadly, sometimes the children follow the bad example instead of the good example. And never figured that one out. But I guess it's human nature that, that pulls in the wrong way. It's not always goes that way. But I've seen that, that, that side of that where the person was just totally dysfunctional. And, and the, many times it was the male and the mother was the pristine example of what it should be. And they followed the, the wrong side of that. We're going to talk today about the example that we are as a follower of Jesus Christ. We're gonna reach back in the old testament, of course, and and use that example of Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. I, I was gonna get it right from the start to get the J in front of the S. And I got it wrong. Anybody ever get mixed up between Elijah and Elisha? It's uh that's the way I train myself to think, okay. Elijah came before Elisha. So when you're preaching, Terry, that's how it goes. And so I started out getting it backwards. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will... Take away thy master from thy head today. And he said, yea, I know it. Hold your peace. Let's just back off and look at this story as though you just didn't hear me read that. Elijah gets up that morning. It it was different in the Old Testament. You notice that when when Jacob got ready to die, that he called his sons in and, and he blessed them. And the scripture said, when he got through blessing them, he drew his feet up in the bed and he died. Somehow he knew that was going to be the day. Well, Elijah had the premonition, the knowledge. Maybe the Lord revealed it to him. Somehow he knew this is the day it's going to happen. I'm going to catch my ride out of here today. That must have been an exciting day for Elijah to think today I'm going to be with God today now he probably lived a pretty lonely life matter of fact one of the things you'll find out about Elijah was he was much of a loner probably because of his prophecy and the way he prophesied the way he lived that prophet personality it kind of kept him alone but it was that day and he had his protege, his, his mentor, mentee, the man that he was mentoring, walking alongside of him. And he, he just turns to him and said, hey, Elisha, you, you just stay here. I, I got to go down to Bethel. And he's, he said, I, you ain't getting away from me. And so it was that they made it down to Bethel and so they stopped there and they rest a little while, they get something to eat and something to drink, maybe a meal. And so then they move on down the road and Elisha says, Elijah said to Elisha, said, uh, y- you just stay here because I- I've got to go on down the road to Jericho. And Elisha says, I, I ain't staying here, I'm going with you. Now, the scripture just gives us those lines. Can't you imagine he just said a little more and said, it don't matter where you go today, I'm going with you. Because I've been with you ever since you throw that mantle on my back. I've been with you ever since that day that you came and I was plowing with 12 yoke oxen. Now, my grandpa brother carol bushnell's dad often told me he said a man that could plow with 12 yoke of oxen was quite a man well he ought to know because he plowed with oxen before and he he worked with oxen in woods pulling logs no doubt but he said a man that could plow with 12 yoke of oxen was quite a man and not only that Uh, It's said that if you had one yoke of oxen in in that day, you were considered rich. So if he had 12 yoke of oxen, he must have come from a rich family. And and this is the guy that, that God said, I want Elisha to be your successor, Elijah. I want him to come and take up your role and your place in ministry. He finds him out there. He slaps him on the back with his garment. And something came over Elisha. And he said, hey, wait up. I'm going with you. And so on this day that it was leaving day for Elijah, Elijah Elisha remembers all of those moments from the day that something came over him, that call came in his life to follow this man of God. And so on the day that Elijah is waiting or inviting him to stay home, he said, I don't know what all, the, the Bible doesn't fill in all the blanks of, of what he told him to do that day. He could have told him to go fishing. Preachers do that. I mean fish. Fish. But uh, he could have told him, go see your mama, go see your daddy. He hadn't been home in a long time. But Elisha says, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going where you go. Back up to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. in Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord liveth, Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not dew nor rain these years. There shall not be dew nor rain according to my word. So, Elisha was there with this man of God when he had prophesied. And told the king, because of the sin that is in the land, there's not going to be a drop of water from heaven until I say so. Now, if it was the press of the current day, they would say that was a militant speech. If you've been paying attention to the news. But he was simply speaking what the Lord said to do. You say, well, he wasn't winning friends and influencing people. No, he was simply trying to get a nation to bow down to the Lord. He was simply trying to get a nation to turn its heart back to God. And so it was that Elijah prophesied. And drought came on that nation. I don't think it gave him one bit of personal satisfaction that his prophecy came true. That wasn't what it was about. That wasn't his goal is to see if what I say comes true. When we're used by God, that's not our goal. Our goal is not to prove to the congregation, to the individual we're speaking to, that we have heard from God. The purpose is that that heart or that congregation draw closer to God. And so, when Elijah had spoken the word, he lived the next three years in hiding because they were after his hide. They were trying to find him. They were trying to kill him. Matter of fact, he, he even told the Lord, I, I'm, a, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one living for you. I'm the only one obeying you. And the Lord said, uh, no, you're not. Obadiah has hid, seven, uh, hid a hundred of God's prophets already. And besides, I've got 7,000 more in Israel. So, he goes to Carmel, and he he has a servant then. It's not Elisha. And uh, he calls fire down from heaven. All the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, uh, they couldn't do it. And uh, he proved to the nation that day that God is real, he's alive, and he answers prayer. Because God answered by fire and consumed the sacrifice, and then it was time to pray for rain. Because the people acknowledged that the Lord, He was God, and so He He went to prayer. You, you ever think about? Did He have that kind of prayer meeting to get it to stop raining? Scripture only tells us about the prayer meeting he had after the drought. It said that he spoke and the heavens dried up. Did he pray seven times that time? Scripture didn't tell us. But when it came time to ask for the rain, the Scripture said even though he obviously knew God was going to answer him, he prayed until he got a sign. And his servant, he involved his servant in that interaction. What was he doing? Was, could this servant, who is unnamed in Scripture as far as I know, could he have been the successor to Elijah? Could he have been the first one chosen to succeed Elijah. He's unnamed. And eventually not present. He's, uh, he's the guy that every time Elijah prays and stops praying, he said, go look and see. Is it raining yet? And he went seven times. Finally, he comes back on the seventh time. And, and he said, I see a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand, and he said, Go up and say to Ahab, I think that scripture's there, first uh, Kings chapter eighteen, verse forty four, said, Go up and say to Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get down that the rain stop thee not. He prayed until he got that. Sign from the Lord. He in, involved this servant. The servant was there and, and he was seeing all this stuff happen. He was seeing all these things go on. But sadly, when I guess it was when Jezebel was going to kill him, I guess it was when all the pressure came, because scripture said when he saw that. He arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. This was a, it was probably one of those days, just like it was in Elisha's day, when he said, you stay here. And the servant said, good idea. And he refused to go with Elijah. It sounded like a good idea then. But that's the last we hear of that servant. That's the last we hear of this man that was being mentored by the prophet. I ask again, could he have been the one that was going to take Elijah's place? But maybe when the pressure got too hot, maybe when it it just got too heavy and, and there was a it uh, uh, sounded like a good thing when the prophet said, I'm going to go over here. You can stay here. Scripture doesn't tell us he said that. But he said it several times to Elisha. I could suppose that he said it to the first servant. And so this servant decided that the price of following the prophet was more than Than he was willing to pay. He's never named and he's never mentioned again in Scripture. The price is too great to pay. He had witnessed the wind that rent the mountain. The earth quaking, the still small voice, Elijah saw all these things happen. The servant had seen so many miracles, but it came down to paying the price when the heat was on. When his servant was gone from him, no doubt the prophet felt like, now what I do, my ministry, all that I've done and I'm getting old and I'm about to die and there's no successor. God gave him a word and he commanded him to go choose a successor. And he chose for a successor somebody that was busy. Somebody that already had something to do. Somebody that already had it together. You could also say that he chose someone that had to count the costs right away. As I said earlier, someone plowing with 12 yoke of oxen was in a wealthy family. When he was to leave those oxen, no doubt, there was some discussion at the house. No doubt there was some question raised. You really can't be... You're you're not really going to go be a prophet, are you? I mean, what does Elijah have? You're going to go follow him... You're going to leave the family farm. You're going to leave all this behind. Scripture said that he had a barbecue. Didn't call it barbecue, but he sacrificed the oxen. They ate them. He used the yokes for fire, for, for wood. I mean, it was cut off time. It was goodbye world, goodbye. Answering a call to follow in our day doesn't always involve that drastic a move, but sometimes it does. We have several ministers in the congregation. And I think about in their lives, if they were to testify today and they had the pulpit and the mic, they could tell you their story. They could tell you when they had to count the costs. You say, well, it must not been too bad. They look like, no, God doesn't kill us. But sometimes at the moment, something dies. I remember when we were leaving to go to Minnesota to start the church there. That aged parents weren't too much in agreement. They weren't too sure that we had really heard from God. And if we had, they weren't sure about that kind of God that would take his baby children out of the family and send them 1,200 miles away. Of course, the person that gets the call, sometimes the excitement about that, stepping to that next level in God's service far outweighs the sacrifice. There was some hesitation, but, you know, I thought, okay, I'm working for Bell Telephone here. I'll work for Bell Telephone there until the church can be up on his feet and running. Well, that never happened. (laughs) Bell Telephone eventually gave me a job up there. The church never did get to a position, either one that I pastored in up there, never did get me to that level that they could support me. So we supported the work while we were working. And then I felt that it was time to leave Minnesota, go to Bible college. And I said, well, no problem, I'm working for Bell Telephone. They got Bell Telephone in Texas. But it was time then to say goodbye to Mobile. bell and take that big step of faith and say, this is where I'm going to... That didn't go well with my family because you see everybody in the family worked for Bell Telephone just about. I'm talking about my wife's family. and That's always a little worse when it's the in-laws. <laughs> you, you know it's going to be that kind of family when you go in to ask for your daughter the daughter's hand in marriage and the question that comes from your father-in-law to be is well how you gonna pay for that car (laughs) it was kind of about the security financially but you know what I have no regrets. I've met many of my co-workers that have already long retired from Bell Telephone that I started working with. And they said, you made the right choice. They said, you made the right choice. I didn't ask for that. Jay just simply Volunteered that. You never lose when you follow the right things. Matthew chapter 19 verse 27 said, Everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Jesus further said, He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Following Jesus Christ, following the call, will cost us, but it will be worth it. This week, it because of the times we heard story after story of how ministries are, they have a lot of pain in their life, but the reward far outweighs the struggle. The reward far outweighs the difficulties the man that we love to hear preach, Brother J.H. Osborne, told the story of eight years ago, on a Sunday morning, the family, hes Brother Osborne pastors in Indianapolis area, and uh, two daughters, on a Sunday morning, eight years ago, they all got up, they were all getting ready, going to church, and She walked out the door, and they've never seen her since. They've never heard from her. Every birthday, his wife puts a card on the table. Every Christmas, she gets a Christmas card and lays it on the table, thinking, hoping, maybe that will be the day she comes home. It was years before I knew that after I drank from Brother Osborne's well of the wealth of his knowledge and his relationship with Jesus Christ. Never in drinking a cup of his ministry did I ever taste any bitterness or any question toward God. The call. Sometimes... Brings an attack of the enemy that we can't figure out, but we never question him because he will always take care of us. In order to effectively minister, we have to be willing to sacrifice, to break free from the past, and be passionate. About ministering to others' needs. It was that day. Elijah, Elisha. They probably walked 30 miles that day. The invitations kept coming to Elisha stop here. This is where you get off. You can quit anytime you want to. But Elisha felt something when that mantle was laid on his shoulders. He felt something when that prophet just touched him. And he hollered after him, wait for me. And the old prophet that day looked back at him and said, what do I have to do with you? In other words, you you don't even have to come now. But when God laid that mantle on him, a call rose up within him. You can run far. You can run long. But you'll never run away from the call of God. It remains. The gifts And the calling of God are without repentance. God doesn't take it back. God doesn't take it back. He calls, it remains. I got a text from him this morning again, every Sunday morning. I don't know if he had studied this lesson today. I I doubt it very seriously that where he's going to church that they're doing this. But he was there and he said, he talked about the cloud rising out of the sea and the abundance of rain that comes from God. That just, and I I texted him back and I said, The cloud, the hand on your life has never left you. He wandered far. He ran. He told me himself. He said, I ran as hard as I could away from my call. But he said, it didn't matter where I ran. It didn't matter how far in sin I got. Three failed marriages, four children, all different women. One of them I don't know that he's ever been married to. All of these things happen in his life. He's probably made millions of dollars. Doesn't have it today. It doesn't matter where he <laughs> what transpired in his life. I remember hearing one day about one of his wives that going down the road 50 miles an hour, she jumped out of his truck on the road. had to go back, pick her up, hospitalize her and get her back to health. That was the kind of life he lived, trying to get away from a call. All because... He couldn't forgive himself for a mistake he made. It's an expensive price to pay for denying the love and the the blood of Jesus Christ. If you feel today inadequate to pursue your call, it's not his fault. It's not his fault because He forgives and He restores and He supplies and He meets the need. So, Elisha followed Him They followed him till that day that all of a sudden they saw chariots of fire and horses. And it parted them. And the scripture said a whirlwind took Elijah up to the presence of God. And Elisha cries out, Wait for me. Hey, remember me. You told me if I I saw you when you went, there'd be something for me. And coming down from heaven was a mantle, which he caught. He took it in his hand. He walked back to Jordan. They had used that mantle, not to wipe your nose, but they had used that mantle across that river the prophet just smote the waters and they parted and they walked across on dry land and Elisha says it's time to see if I got the real thing and he walks back to that Jordan and he smites the water and they part 50 prophets are on the other side and they say He's got it. He's got the spirit of Elijah on him. But that wasn't what Elisha said. He said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He said, I need the God that the one I was following had. And he was there. Let's stand together. He said, "I want a double portion." And so it was: We have the luxury of reading the whole story of the mentor and the mentee, and the one that asked for a double portion. Scripture said that he had twice the miracles, lacking one, and they buried him. But then one day there was a battle, and they were in a haste to bury a dead soldier, and they threw him in the tomb of Elisha. And he, when he hit those old prophets' bones, The soldier came alive and double the miracles of Elijah. God is faithful if we will follow to the end. If we will follow to the end. What did Jesus say? He that endureth to the end, the same shall saved. it's too soon to quit. Turn to your neighbor and say it's too soon to quit. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow till I get there. Soul songs and I'll go with you. I'll go with you all the way. Let's pray together. Jesus. You have called us everyone into service. Not all of us will fill a pulpit. Not all of us will go overseas to be a missionary. But you have called every one of us to take up our cross and follow you. We're not in this to run part of the way. You said, he that taketh up the plow and looketh it back is not worthy of his hire. So it's, it's not time to be looking back. It's time to be looking forward to what you're going to do in our life. We'll follow you, Lord. We'll follow you, Lord Jesus.